Welcome to Sustainability Stories podcast and I'm your host Radhika Arapalli. So if you work in hospitality, tourism or as a tour operator, then join me every fortnight as we interview business leaders, academics on their sustainability journey and share practical tips with us to balance contributions to people, planet and profits. We hope sharing these stories inspires and challenges you and most importantly you do something with it i'm super privileged to start with dr arora don benton a passionate dynamic speaker and a consultant specializing in sustainability strategy dr arora is the founder and chief change agent of astrapto llc she has helped over 120 young professionals launch green teams and perform sustainable procurement audits her clients include worldwide fund sodexo baltimore convention center green seal the events industry council and various hotels and restaurants aurora has a doctorate in business administration in social impact management to top it she's given us the coupon code of stories 30 that's 30% discount of any offer courses at the location that I'll include in the show notes below so for you as you listen to her and if you want to know where to get started then definitely access the link and access stories 30 to get your 30% discount and you can get a head start on all her courses and the reason why I'm starting with Dr Aurora is the fabulous introduction I've given about her and also i feel she is breath of fresh air why do i say that because when i listen to her she literally says the three prerequisites required for better sustainability practices is curiosity concern and passion not a degree degree helps but before a degree you need curiosity concern and passion and if you have any of them then join me as we speak to dr arora and learn from her how do we start the journey of green initiatives how do we enable sustainable operations in a hotel as a tour operator for a destination so without much further ado let's welcome dr arora don benton good morning and welcome thank you so much radhika for having me on your podcast and it's so interesting that this would come up today because i'm i'm actually right now in the middle of uh, i sometimes do online teaching as an adjunct faculty and i teach a course on you know that's that's sort of the same thing i offer to the the professional world which is on starting green teams and this week we are doing a part of the course where the students have to consider diversity equity and inclusion and i invite them to consider that that's more than maybe just the surface issues we tend to think about like what are the the surface things that have created a lack of diversity that have created an imbalance in equality and equity and have excluded people from participating and having opportunity and i get them to think about like style and so i have them do an assessment where they learn more about their styles and so you know we talk about like oh this person scored really high in empathy or really high in humor and how does that play out in terms of how they might convince others to join in on sustainability and so then i say to them What happens if you're working with someone who has humor at the bottom of their list and that's not the way they want to approach 
some sort of professional endeavor. And so passion is something similar where I think it comes across as like, I'm passionate because I'm loud. <laughs> I'm, you know, courageous. I'm in your face. I'm, I can articulate these things and come across very animated. But that doesn't mean passion doesn't necessarily manifest always that way. And so I think that it's sometimes it's this deep fire within for some people and they might be very quiet about it but they still have this urge and desire to make change. And so I think it's important not to confuse passion for something that you only see outwardly, like a, a flame or a spark, but it might be just like this low burning ember inside that's just as hot for the topic and just as you know really on fire for changing things, but maybe it manifests differently. And so I try to give people the tools they need and help them consider that at the end of the day, most of sustainability is about changing people's minds and people don't like change. And so it's really a human equation. It's really a, so much about just the psychology and of influence and leadership and relationship building and salesmanship and all of these things. And so uh, I think it's really important to equip students who are like, how do I become a sustainability professional? Like you learn how to convince people to do things as simple as stop putting trash in the wrong bin, <laughs> because so often that's what it comes down to. You're looking for some glorious job and it's literally like manning the trash can <laughs> is what it comes down to. So you better be passionate because a lot of your work might simply be manning the trash can or turning lights off after people. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, I mean, sustainability is new to me too. So previously, in a business role, I was more a commercial, data-driven person. And the reason I refrained from taking an approach on sustainability is because of the terminology, the narrative, and the education, what was lacking. And I can see many of my peers still in that, you know, not having that comfort zone to come out of it. and to. So what advice do you give? What you've said earlier is spot on, but I'm just saying... It's putting ourselves out, you know, putting, sticking our necks out literally to come yeah. out and try something on sustainability. So have you seen any success stories that you can share with us? So first of all, I think that in sustainability, I, the number one question I have been asked is always some form of where do I start? And I think that that comes from a few things. First of all, it's human nature to avoid things we're, af we're afraid of or don't understand or the fear of the unknown. I think another thing is sustainability is so complex. It includes so many things that people are afraid of. Well, I might get it wrong. I might not, I might start the wrong place. I might do the wrong thing. And then I think, unfortunately, the sustainability world, those people who are the writers and researchers and advocates for sustainability, have created some unfortunate barriers in how they approach sustainability. I have seen, you know, when I started my company five and a half years ago, I start, you know, I was had already been kind of in this space, but I had drawn a line and said, from now on, this is my job full time. So I started really paying attention to other sustainability consultants and writers and other, you know, people who are the voices in the sustainability space. And the theme I noticed was that it was very. Uh, the theme and the tone was very blame and shame. And I decided early on, somewhat ironically, 
that I would be a different kind of voice. And I say ironically, because my default is sarcasm and, <laughs> and criticism. I can go there fast. And so I knew from the very beginning that I would have to exercise this muscle of make, making things positive and making things practical. And so that's what I've done. And I will say that I have seen a pretty drastic change in the tone over the last five years. I still see a lot of blame and shame and there is a role for that. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do I see more sustainability consultants kind of getting the fact that they are salespeople and they have to sell an idea and no one is going to be attracted to your idea when you're criticizing them and making it sound so doomy and gloomy. So I think part of the success in this aspect is on us as sustainability professionals and consultants to be okay with the small steps that people like you who are new to this might be comfortable taking. You're not going to want to take a big leap and stick your, like you said, you said, stick your neck out there. That's what it feels like. And if it's not your job, if it's not your main job, it's not what you're paid to do, well, then it can be even more risky, right? You have a regular job to do, and now you're trying to get into the sustainability thing and do some things in sustainability. So you don't want to jeopardize your main job. You right. don't want to look dumb in front of other people, right? And so I think by changing our attitude and mentality in terms of how we speak about it and teach about it, then the people like you in the world can be like, oh, let me hear more. Let me come a little bit closer and, and learn a little bit more. I feel, I feel safe with you now. I feel comfortable listening to you. I feel like I can trust you to guide me. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a voice that people can say like, oh, well, let me, let me hear a little bit more about that. So I'm trying to speak the, a practical language I can speak technical jargon. I'm a, you know, a researcher and teacher, but I also train dishwashers and line cooks and college students and, you know, front desk agents and all, you know, and, and all the way up to the GMs and the VPs and the CEOs. And so you have to be able to speak the language. And I think it's a language of positivity and it's a language of being practical practical for the lower levels of an organization and strategic for the higher levels of the organization, both worlds, you know, I'm very comfortable with. And so for, for the advice for people like you, I would say, seek out the voices in sustainability that give you confidence and help you feel like, okay, this is a person who I could follow and just listen to what they recommend. And at the end of the day, when it comes to where to start, Let's say that there's like 30 different ideas you have on sustainability. Put them in a hat and draw one. I mean, seriously, just do something. And I know that, of course, a lot of people might be hearing that and thinking like, no, it should be all strategic and planned out. Yes, in a perfect world, it should be. But sometimes when people are busy and they don't know where to start, they'll get paralyzed and just not start at all. And so rather than have you stuck and not start at all, I just sort of, you know, flippantly say, put a bunch of stuff in a hat and draw one because it's something, it's a place to start. And that's what matters because once you start, you become addicted. <laughs> sustainability, warning to listeners, sustainability is addictive. <laughs> and once you get, once you get the bug, 
There is no cure. You're in it for life. And so just start with that first step. I feel like I'm a living example of that. It is a bang and I'm right here to prove it. I really like the idea of being playful, putting things in a hat and starting somewhere. So there is no right or wrong. Let's start somewhere and go from there. This really makes me think, do you not believe in the role of a chief sustainability officer then? Oh, I believe that that is one of the most important roles a company can have. There's a lot of, I feel like I could unpack this in a lot of ways. Like one thing I think is that sustainability, I find, and I think this is one of the things that actually really attracts me to the topic of sustainability overall, aside from my initial pull, which was the human justice side of things. Sustainability is about excellence and it's about attention to detail. Because when you pay attention to the kinds of things that you need to pay attention to in order to be more sustainable, it causes you to look at everything differently. In fact, one of the greatest compliments I ever got from one of my clients was after I did a training on food waste, I followed up a couple of weeks later and said, just you know, tell me how some things are changing. And this client wrote back and said, this has changed the way we look at every single aspect of our operations. So that is amazing to me because that says that it's starting to change the culture and the mindset. And there's this um, culture of care and concern. And if you start to notice the details on this little thing about food waste, then you're going to notice the details about this little thing in energy and this little thing or this big thing in another area, you know, maybe your supply chains. And so I think that sustainability as a corporate function and as part of the boardroom, the executive level committee and, and the strategic planning is a way to elevate the business, which is why you get the triple bottom line, the people, the planet and the profit because sustainability will lead to opportunities to improve efficiencies, improve your reputation and you know, lots all the other business case aspects. So that's why you need that corporate sustainability person who can be the umbrella and see all that but that's also why you need green teams or impact teams that are cross-functional, that are at the ground level, that can help sort of sniff out some of that inconsistency and say, hey, you know, our, our brand claims this, why are we doing that, right? So it can be a really, a really helpful tool for that. And of course, just the, you know, boots on the ground, roll up your sleeves, do the work. Someone has to move the trash cans. Someone has to create signs on what goes where. Somebody has to, you know, whatever. I mean, those are very, very, very simplistic examples, but the yeah. most common things out there. So somebody still has to do that. So your course on green team covers exactly all of these, right? How do you build a green team? How do you empower a green team? Yes, exactly. So it starts with, I always create my content, assuming that my audience is more beginner level with when it comes to sustainability. So I start with just the basics of kind of, you know, here's what we mean when we talk about sustainability, here are examples, here's what you should think about from a business case perspective, because I'm assuming that whatever organization you're in, be it a for-profit or a nonprofit, you need a business case to justify sustainability. So I, there's a lesson on that. There's a lesson on engaging stakeholders. And again, this is all, you can do entire 
courses on each of these topics. This is all very like, you know, introductory level. And then it's how to start having conversations with people about what might be interesting to them in terms of social and environmental impact, how to start doing some basic research and sharing with your coworkers these ideas. And, you know, the, 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 benefit of creating something like this online course is that, you know, in theory, thousands of people around the world can take it and learn from it and do something with it and enjoy it. Uh, but my favorite part of this kind of work is when I get to actually coach and mentor people through the process as well, which sometimes people sign up and do that. And sometimes they don't. Um, but with the college students, that's sort of a built-in factor, right? Because they're, you know, I'm, I'm having calls with them and talking to them. And so it's, um, it's, it's, I have, you know, I'm creating a generic blueprint, knowing that sustainability ideas, yes, you can start with the basics of like, you know, energy conservation and water conservation and waste, but even all of it is so entirely contextual. So trying to teach one course that would give the, you know, and that's what everybody, that, I think that's what's challenging sometimes. Everybody's kind of like, give me the exact things I should do. And it's like, but it kind of depends. I mean, yes, pick a number out of a hat, but what is right for you is going to be different. So like just yesterday, I had a call with my students and one of them was telling me that at the business she works at, she, they just rolled out this initiative. It's a, it's a retail chain. And every time somebody comes into the store they're whether they ask for it or not all customers are getting a little plastic bag with flyers inside of it and she's like oh my gosh like really like we're supposed to be like the company has and she said this the company has all this stuff on their website about everything they're doing with sustainability and, dah, 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 and they just rolled out this thing and they made us all train on it learn that we have to give every customer that comes to the store a plastic bag filled with paper <laughs> brochures. And so we started brainstorming. I mean, what a, what a specific issue to solve. So we started brainstorming and I said, okay, I think you should create a presentation to give to, maybe it's somebody starting at your store level, see if you can work it up the corporate train chain, uh, the corporate you know ladder. Yeah. And I said, I think you should do some research on how consumers feel about plastic packaging because it's out there. I think you should do some research on the number of municipalities that are starting to ban plastic bags because that's going to impact you. I think you should find a solution. Like what if they each just got a business card with a QR code and the QR code led to a web page with all these? I mean, that's so much better for data tracking. I mean, that's just better marketing practice. I mean, come on, right? And so I said, so go with solutions. And those right. solutions are going to be very specific to that retailer, their target market, the locations where they are. So teaching that in a course that you're hoping, you know, thousands of people will take is challenging. So I'm trying to give people a blueprint to follow. And, and that includes things like find out what is interesting to the staff. What makes the staff's heart beat? Start there. Find out what's a, a problem going on in your community that's just really, you know, keeping the mayor's office up at night. Find out the, the context and then, and then trying to help them understand what research looks like. 
Like what, then what do you do once you kind of identify the problem? What do you do then? So I use some case studies and examples of, let's say you wanted to do this, then you would look up that, but hoping that they will understand just these basic skills and stuff. And I tell you, a lot of this to me is just like, this is not rocket science. This is like, <laughs> you know, this is just basic. This is like business 101 kind of stuff. But, you know, for younger people, for, for those who are at lower levels of an organization, you know, for me, it's just like, I can do this stuff in my sleep. But, you know, when you're in your young, you know, mid, mid twenties and you're, you know, starting out in your career, these are still new themes. And maybe you've learned some theory in college, but you haven't had a lot of an opportunity to practice it. And so it's, it's really helpful for kind of that level. Um, although I, I think people, certainly people who are older have gotten use out of it. I've had GMs tell me that, you know, I've had GMs of already sustainable hotels tell me that the course helped them just get better organized and have a better strategy. So I think it, you know, it can play on, on either end of the spectrum, but I write it with the idea of this person who's like, they want to drive change. They just don't really yet know what steps to follow and how to go about it. Yeah. So it's from where I'm seeing it, it's a great ignition for sustainability, right? So it just yes. seems like if you need some spark, need some ignition, go do the course. What a like, great sales pitch. <laughs> Thank you. Team, I am doing a sales pitch here because I've just done the course on your procurement. Thank you for giving oh, me the yes, modules. Oh, yes, that's right, right. I love you know, that course. That is, yeah. that's a fair, that course, oh my goodness. It's, that was, talk about a course that's hard to set boundaries around. There's just so much you could talk about in that course. Exactly. And what I really enjoyed, you know, the one line which sticks with me, sustainability is a journey, not a destination. Am I correct in quoting you? Yes, I absolutely. That's true. That's one of my favorite favorite sayings. It absolutely is. Along with me, how many people have you trained so far? How many green team professionals? Oh my gosh. Do we well, so it's, it's a little hard to put a number on things like that because I'm just, you know, when you're an educator and a teacher and a speaker, your content goes out in so many ways. And I'll tell you that one of the things that is sometimes I, I lament, like I love, like one of my courses, the procurement course is on a platform that's really global. So I have students from 38 countries at, on this plat, on in the course on this one platform, which is really interesting and exciting. And I see their names and I can see like how much, you know, how far they've gone into the course and things like that. And I'm just so curious. I'm like, I wonder where they work. I wonder like, are they making changes? I wonder if any of this is resonating with them. And some of them leave, you know, reviews. And so that's good. But it's, I, I, I sometimes wish I had more of Correct. an opportunity to know how the, the content is being used. So you took the course, you saw that there's a procurement audit in it, which sounds right. scary, but it's really just, you know, I, I just say, if you just even do two or three products, it will be the most eye-opening experience you will ever have. Exactly. And so I wonder, you know, because a lot of times people sign up for online courses and never even watch one video. It's crazy how often that happens as well, because that's just, you know, the nature of online learning. But I'm so curious. I wonder all the time, like, how many people <laughs> have done a procurement audit? And what have they learned? And are they changing anything? And I, I, I sometimes wish I knew more of my impact in that regard. 
I think you shared that space with all content creators. You know, as a podcast host, I have that too. It's heard in 50 countries. But I always wonder, like, you know, who in Ivory Coast could be listening? And I'm mean, just taking the name of one <laughs> of them. Give feedback, give reviews. It's the only fuel that a content creator enjoys, actually. It's so true. That is so true. <laughs> Well, I have one question, though, on your, because I know that you've done a lot of certifications yourself. So what's your perspective on, say, the certification program? Should, would you encourage hotels, tour operators, destination tourism to actually get certified? Just curious yeah. to hear your view. Mm -hmm. Yes, great question. And absolutely. I think that one of the best benefits, so most what draws a lot of people to certification is the idea that it could draw in more customers, which of course is a fantastic reason to do it because you get listed on lists, you get, you know, show up in search results and all of those benefits, which I think are, of course, uh, very valuable. Back to that whole, where do I start? Sometimes people ask, like, well, which one should I do? And again, I kind of, you know, joke, say, put a little, put the names in the hat and draw one. Uh, because really it's going to depend on, it depends on the market you're in, depends on which kind of clients you're, you might start with looking at what some of your competitors have done, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, you know, the hotels, the top hotels down the street, see, see what uh, plaques they have on their wall or what they're mentioning on their websites. That's a good, you know, benchmark in terms of thinking about where, and let me just make a, a quick note for your audience who may not know a lot about certifications. Probably a lot of them are, are familiar with LEED, L-E-E-D, which is the Leadership and Environment Ener Energy and Environmental Design by the U.S. Green Building Council. Even though it's a, it began in the U.S., it's, a, it's pretty prolific globally. There's millions of projects that are LEED certified. When you see LEED on a building, so a lot of times if you look at what your competitors are doing, you may say like, oh, they're LEED certified. Most of the time, that means the building is certified, right? That LEED does do an operational certification. It's less common in the hospitality space, but it is there. But most of the time, if you see a hotel that's LEED certified, that means the building was certified. That means that when the building was ready to open or when it was renovated, it got the stamp of approval. But what hotels need to pursue is an operational certification. The building is great. Do that if you can. That is a, a tremendous foundation for especially water and, and uh, energy uh, and some like, you know, um, greener green spaces and things like that. But operations is where your procurement comes in and, you know, your daily procurement. Like what, what toilet paper are you buying? Is it made of recycled content? Is it for, is it FSC certified? Is it coreless? Are you using up all the roles? Like all that operational stuff that the building wouldn't necessarily look at, right? When you got that building certification, toilet paper wasn't really a factor, but with your operational certification, things like that are going to be a factor. And so I, I would encourage hotels to definitely look at operational certifications because that keeps you on your toes in your ongoing management. Perfect. I think you've really summarized it well. It's all about if sustainability is to come through with hotels, it's through operations. And that's yes. where the certifications are really your goalpost or guiding principles to get you across. Yes. Great. And what about benchmarking? Because I I mean, certification is accepted terms, 
But what I really struggle as I meet more hoteliers or tour operators is benchmarking is a buzzword. Well, so first of all, benchmarking means you're measuring stuff, right? So absolutely, you should be measuring stuff, right? I'm a big fan of setting goals. There's a whole module in the course and a lot of the courses I do, I talk about smart goals. In fact, I'm building up like a whole new series now on just based on the fact that if you can set good smart goals, it sets you up for, you know, it's it's one of those sort of management school th- things that, you know, you hear, but there's something to be said for that, right? And a big piece of that is the measurable piece and the attainable piece, right? In the SMART uh, acronym. And so but when you think about benchmarking, really, a benchmark helps you understand if your goals are attainable. So there's different ways of looking at benchmarking. There's your own internal benchmarking, which is sort of like set a baseline. Where do we start? What are we trying to do? How, you know, how much progress do we make? Then there's low, that benchmarking is so important because it can help you determine like, are you, are you kind of in the range where you want to be? You don't want it to be something that allows you to be complacent, right? Like, oh, we're about average or a little above average. It should be something that would spur you to like, okay, let's do better. Let's always be better than the benchmark. Wonderful way to, for me to close it here. Is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, I would just remind everyone that sustainability, if, you're, if you want to be a sustainability champion, it is about driving change. And people at the end of the day, for the most part, don't want to change. That is going to be their default response. So your job, as much as you think your job might be about being an expert in carbon offsets or waste management, yes, you need to know those things, research those things. You can also hire consultants who can help you with those things. But at the end of the day, your main job is to sell people on ideas. So developing your skills in relationship building, in business case development, in stakeholder engagement, in salesmanship, salespersonship, those things are going to serve you so well. So I feel like, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of this. I feel like people who want a career in sustainability, want to be doing sustainability, feel that they need to have the advanced degrees, they need to have a degree with sustainability, they need to have all these credentials before they can even start the work. I saw on this travel Facebook group once that somebody asked a question, how can I travel more sustainably? And there was a person who posted in the comments, I'm working on my master's in sustainability. When, I, when I'm done, I'll be able to answer this question. I was, I was <laughs> like, whoa, I have Google. I can answer it now. <laughs> like, like, do you, like, stop overthinking it. You need a master's degree to answer that question. Like, okay, I get it. I have a doctorate degree. So I like, okay, but seriously, Google, you can find this out in an internet browser. Like, how do I travel more sustainably? And you'll get like probably 5 million hits on like, you know, answers to this question. And so don't get too hung up on the idea that you have to be a technical expert. There are lots of us out there who are technical experts. You can hire us to be your technical expert. If you really want to be a sustainability champion, you really want to develop those, the, the people part of it. You want to develop the skills of being able to sell things up an organization, figure out what can get the executives to want to buy in. 
you have to be perseverant. You have to really persevere and be persistent and really just understand that you're going to have a lot of people who are naysayers and who resist these ideas and not because they're bad people, right? This is not about people just not believing in sustainability or not wanting to do the right thing. So you have to see past that and be willing to put in the hours and build the relationships and stick with it and it will be rewarding. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Arora. I think I've personally gained so much from the, from the session. So grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Yes, absolutely. Yay. Thank you. 